know Your ass better call somebody Research and development Putting in the man hours to study the science of what you need Last week we put liquid paper on a bee And it died What? Did we just become best friends? Yup Can I tell you something though? You're getting angry? I love you. Yeah, you big guy. Welcome back in, everybody. Another edition of the 40 Chess Dynasty Football Podcast coming at you right now. As always, we appreciate you tapping in. Please do us a giant favor. Rate and review on the podcast feed, whatever you use, Apple, Google, Spotify, whatever helps us out so much, helps everybody here at the channel out so much. And without further ado, let me bring in my best bud, who I desperately miss that I'm not there anymore. It was fun. I need to go back, but 2023 can't come fast enough to get back to the expo. Adam, what's going on tonight, buddy? Michael, Dynasty Degenerates, we're back. Shocker, because we come to you every week. But yeah, Mike, Mike, you're back in Iowa. Um, 2023 Expo is going to be dope. But for now, I'm very excited for the 2022 season. And um, a lot of the guys we're excited for in the 2022 season, it feels like we're right here. We finally made it. Mama, we made it. We are here. We are here. It is, it is time for us. We did this last year when it was just you and I on our – 10 people listening, <laughs> supporters we had when we started South Harmon, patreon.com forward slash South Harmon, still going strong. But back before we had an audience, we had flag planting season. It feels like the right time to jump back into flag planting season. So we're going to go through our guys for this year. That way, when we're wrong, inevitably, people can go back and go, hey, the episode that you did that last week, August. You guys are dummies. I can't believe you're ever in on this guy. We got the receipts, man. We we have the receipts of your dumb shenanigans. Hey, if we hit like 66%, I think we're doing pretty good. But inevitably, we'll probably go like 0 for 10. <laughs> what do you think? 0 for 10? Perfection. La- la- last year, I remember um, I had a few ugly ones, which we don't have to... We don't have to rename and relive those bad ones, but I at least had my top dot, my top buy was a hit until he got hit and wasn't playing in the fantasy playoffs, DeAndre Swift. But uh, let, let, let's get into our top buys this year, man. Our, our, I shouldn't say top buys, are my guys this year, our flag planners. Let me kick it off. I got a Digo's ADP up here, and the first one that I see on here that I can definitely say is my guy. I don't want to be the, uh, the kind of guy who goes like, oh, I'm a Justin Herbert guy. Yeah, so is everybody. But I do have one in round one for you, Adam. It's Kyle Pitts. Going at the 110 currently on Adiko's ADP. Kyle Pitts, for anybody who watches our stuff, especially with Adam, we did the, we did the Kyle Pitts as a unicorn, and you did a dope thumbnail for, for that episode. And you got to print it printed off. Everything that you do, it's in the background. One Mr. Kyle Pitts with unicorn wings <laughs> bent over. Looks amazing. But... Kyle Pitts, I'm, like, I'm fully on board, man. It is my guy. I, I've shifted because of Kyle Pitts a lot of my strategies on how I do in startups. 
um, talked about it before where it's it's pretty much at the tight end position for me. It's Kyle Pitts or bust. Travis Kelsey's cool. Darren Waller's cool. George Kittle's an Iowa guy, so I'm inherently going to love him. I like DJ Hawkinson, but don't get it twisted. I will take Kyle Pitts in round one, and if I don't get Kyle Pitts in round one, I'm probably not taking a tight end until the 10th, 11th, 12th round plus. Let's just be honest, because most of them aren't going to fall the two rounds of discount that I need. So, Kyle Pitts, man, that's my first one. What do you think about our boy, the unicorn? Kyle Pitts, the unicorn. He, he is a unicorn. And, yeah, Mike, I'm definitely right there with you with Kyle Pitts. Um, he, he has been somebody that I would say in the first round I've left more often than not with him this uh, this offseason. I have six shares, I think, right now. Uh, I ended up trading one to you, which was certainly the trade that I was I, – I wish – I don't wish I had it back, but it was tough trading Kyle Pitts to you because you know how much I love Kyle Pitts. And um, I think you hit it on the head too. Startup strategy for me, Mike, and why this guy is so big. I feel like he's a cheat code at the position with the time that he's going to give you as well as – he, he can score, I believe, in that tight end elite group already this early. And you're going to have him for such a long time where that's very rare. And I think the big difference with him at the tight end position, it's so shallow that that's why I'm willing to invest in a Kyle Pitts, who's truthfully just a wide receiver that's categorized as a tight end, right? Whereas if, I don't like investing in the wide receivers because yeah. of positional scarcity. Kyle Pitts is my guy. Um, and, and like you said, if I don't get him, the guy I'm trying to get is – going all the way down in the 12th round, which is Noah Fant. Um, so he, he's a long ways down there too, but he's also a my guy, Mike. Um, those are the two guys at tight end. There's been drafts I leave uh, with both of them, and a lot, of, pretty much every startup I've done this offseason, Mike, I'm getting at least one of those two guys in that draft. Yeah, I feel pretty good about myself if I can walk away with two of my guys at the tight end, just like you're talking about. I get Cal Pitts at the back end of the first, and then you know, somewhere in the 11th, 12th round, about the range that Noah Fant usually comes off the board, I'll pull the trigger on him because I think he deserves to actually go higher, but I just take the value. And I feel really good about my tight end room walking away with one Kyle Pitts and one Noah Fant. Yeah. I think some of the stuff that really intrigues me about Kyle Pitts is we saw what he did last year. You know, he was a tight end one, and he was a tight end one, and he caught one touchdown pass at him. Yeah. Like that, think about that. Now, now being like just a tight end one isn't that special, but one, it's the position. Rookies don't perform, and and hey, we'll be completely honest. We were down on Cal Pitts, at least from like the hype standpoint last year, and now it feels like we've caught up to where the hype was, and you and I have passed it because now it seems like Cal Pitts over everyone for us. But yeah, a thousand yards, one touchdown, tight end one in his rookie season focal point of that offense with Calvin Ridley missing time, them trading away Julio Jones last year. Now you come into it. They do add Drake London, but again, Calvin Ridley gone. Quarterback situation, a little bit concerning, right? You go from Matt Ryan, who is underrated, to a Marcus Mariota, but I'm thinking about this in the long-term play of Dynasty, where if Kyle Pitts, for me, finishes as a tight end one this year, I'll still be happy. I'm just waiting for him to get that good quarterback to pair with them. So whether they do that in the draft or free agency or however they address it next year, that's kind of where I'm planning out because, I mean, this guy hasn't even turned 22 yet. 
22 at a position that we are desperate for impact players. And like you mentioned, the positional scarcity at tight end is so, 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 I mean, there's, there's just nothing there, right? There's, it's, it's, it seems like it's been multiple years where it's, you know, we talk about the big three or maybe the big four, but that's it. And outside of that, everybody's just kind of a guy. So Cal Pitts, baby, that's mine. Who's your first one? Your guy next in line that you got here. Yeah. So Mike, uh, obviously Kyle Pitts, um, a really big one for us. Th- this one is not, I had so much exposure to this player here, Mike, and I already talked about him. I, I did acquire a few more shares of him and I- I'll say this, the amount of shares I have with him and the fact that I only really ro- roster running backs like him on contenders means that I didn't learn much from last year, Mike, because all the contenders that I have pretty much have a DeAndre Swift in there. Um, mm-hmm. In best ball, I'm not quite as bullish or needing to get a running back because of where I'm going to take him in a startup. But I still believe DeAndre Swift has incredibly immense upside at the position, and we saw it for a long time last year. I know there's target competition, but I do believe between him catching passes, his affinity for scoring touchdowns at the goal line, uh, he's a special player, and I still think he's very much in that age range where, one, he can be a contending stud, and two, you're not like panicked on, I got to move him right now. He really feels like kind of similar to a little bit of like the Alvin Kamara type prototype running back. Right in that mold where yes. we're not we're not so worried about the tread or the wheels falling off, you know, after three years, four years, right? Alvin Kamara, for a lot of people, outside of this year where the kind of suspension's looming, does have that appeal of it just seems like he might be churning out these up until, you know, his late twenties, early thirties, right? These type of seasons. Now is he always going to be the top five Alvin Kamara that we knew and love? No, but is, could he be a RB1 for multiple parts, multiple years out of that time span? Sure. I don't think that's out of the question. So Swift kind of feels like in that mold where he's so explosive and he's so dynamic in the receiving game and he's a good runner. I, I don't think anybody's going to confuse him for like this elite running back as far as like a Jonathan Taylor, you know what I mean, where you're going to break people down all the time. But I think it's a, a situation with Swift where even on your rebuilding teams, like those teams that are a year or two out, generally I want to get the points off my team, but like I'm not just trading away DeAndre Swift on those just to trade them away. Like I would rather just keep them on and cost myself some draft position because he's going to score me so many damn many points this year. But I do I do get it where, like, Swift, man, I think he's just a little bit different for me at the running back position versus, like, another guy that we have in the same tier, Najee Harris, right? If I have Najee Harris on a rebuild, like, I want to get him off my team because I think that's more of the style of running back that is going to have a short, shorter shelf life just because of the volume that he's getting and the style of play he has. So... Man, I really love DeAndre Swift, too. It, it, he's just kind of that weird running back archetype where, like I am uh, like I mentioned, I'm not so desperate to get rid of him right off the bat. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think too. Like you, you mentioned um, uh, something about you know him not being a. I mean, he's not he's not Jonathan Taylor as far as a runner. I'm, yeah. I'm not going to sit here and lie to anyone. Dynasty Degenerates. There's the reason Jonathan Taylor is Jonathan Taylor is because he is absolutely uberly special. Um, I, I think DeAndre Swift though is actually a better runner than sometimes we give him credit for, but that's still not the main thing for him that you need as far as fantasy goes, right? I think he's better between the tackles runner than he's credited for at this point. Um, like his run blocking rating, Mike on efficiency was six, number 64 in the, in the league last year. Like, it's not like they were blocking a great holes for him. The one thing that sticks out to me more than anything with him, not to mention, like you said, all the archetype and him probably having a little more shelf life is his yards created and yards created per touch, Mike, it's, it is sky high. I mean, number two in the league with yards created, 869. Yards created per touch, Mike, 4.08, which is number one. It doesn't matter how you get the ball in his hands. Um, he's going to do something with it. And the thing, too, I believe, is that he gets a lot of the valuable touches, which I think sometimes we need to really consider when it's the running back position Grinding in between the 20s isn't necessarily that valuable for fantasy if you're not catching passes. He gets to catch the passes, and he gets a lot of the goal line work. And ultimately, those are two of the most valuable touches you're going to get at the running back position. I'm all in on DeAndre Swift again, Mike. I can't lie to you. Hey, man. I can't knock you at all. I love some DeAndre Swift, and I really enjoy watching uh, some of the things do Staley was saying about him on hard knocks, right? <laughs> you know, that's my guy being an Eagles, Eagles, you know, legend for us and coaching with us for so long. And then, you know, to kind of see him talking up a running back that I really like warmed my heart. But Absolutely. I'm going to move away from the running back position. I'm going to give us our first quarterback, Adam, the first one that I would consider my guy. And that's one Trevor Lawrence. I just did a video on T-Law that will be coming out on the YouTube channel and Trevor Lawrence, especially this preseason so far from like what I've seen from him is reminding people why we were so high on him going into last year before urban Meyer ruined everything in Jacksonville <laughs> before everything. urban Meyer shit on the entirety of the hope that we had for Trevor Lawrence. He's reminding people in the preseason because he's making throws that, you know, and this isn't just my opinion. Like I've seen other really smart football minds out there on Twitter being like, he's making throws and has the ability that only a handful of quarterbacks in the league have, you know, and we're talking some of the elites of the elites, the Josh Allen's, the Justin Herbert's, the Patrick Mahomes, right? These type of guys, Trevor Lawrence is making plays this preseason where it's like, Hey, I'm still that dude. So for this year, especially, Trevor Lawrence is still my guy because I think we all kind of had a little bit too much of that sour taste in our mouth from what happened last year. And if you if you were doing a startup last year, you may recall that I think Trevor Lawrence was going in the first round, right around the first round of startup drafts as a rookie. Couple that with a kind of disappointing rookie season, the whole Jacksonville debacle with Urban Meyer, and now this guy's going in the third round. He's going at the early part of the third round, and it's actually starting to creep up a little bit from where it was. It was the mid to late part of the third round, so we're actually starting to see people come back around on Trevor Lawrence. But Adam, I never left. I never left. I still believe in the talent. 
I was willing to write off the rookie year, give him a pass, all the situations that happen. Trevor Lawrence is that dude for me, man. Sunshine. Sunshine on my goddamn shoulders. Yeah, man. Uh I, I'm excited for T Law. He's he's somebody I'm I'm in very much as well. Um I I just think there's a very good chance that we look back and say, wow, Urban Meyer had us fooled for how long? How many years? Like, we gave him another shot for him to do this. That offense, that that, that team last year, Mike, it's amazing how, how horrible they were and how poorly run they were. I think for a young guy, especially a rookie, like, that's hard to equate how much – how impossible that is to overcome just a clusterfuck of a team. Uh, they, they, at one point, basically no one trusted him. They're laughing at him in the locker room. It, it, that whole, that whole locker room was a disaster. I'm very much in on T law as a bounce back. Uh, as you know, Mike, I ended up spending money that I didn't plan to in the Heisman auction league, the Royal rumble. I'm in on T law there. So I'm excited to see what he does this year. I love it, buddy. Who's the next guy you got for me? Who's the next one that you want to list off as one of your guys, Adam? Yeah, so this is going down another round and a half, I think, from Trevor Lawrence, Mike. But I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to give you, if you haven't seen the trade show or listened to the trade show on podcast, if you haven't seen any of our videos, if you haven't tuned into this very much and you don't know, now you know because I talked about DeAndre Swift. I'm going to stick with the running back, Mike, because the biggest my guy this year that I'm planting my flag on is Cam Akers. And mm. listen, I, I'll admit that I'm very bullish. I think the only other person I know that's pretty bullish on him in the range of myself is Nate Liss, and I love seeing that out of Nate too. But, man, I'm bullish on him, and, and I'm okay with having the big exposure that I do here, Mike, because – from, I know most people when they saw him come back last year, they think he didn't look good. They think that his you know yards per carry was bad. There's a lot of reasons that people didn't think he looked very good coming back. But I saw some explosion at times. I think people forget what he did in that hit to Buda Baker, and that's a guy that just had an Achilles surgery. And I know there's concern about split work and what they're gonna how they're gonna utilize him. But I believe Mike, this offense is gonna be really good again. And we look at what Joe Mixon did last year, being basically the same guy he's always been, not a guy that's catching a lot of passes, but scoring 16 touchdowns because the offense afforded him a ton of red zone opportunities, and it was a high-scoring offense. I think for Cam Akers, like that Joe Mixon-level play is very realistic without even getting into the upside of if they end up using him on three downs, which they had planned to in prior years. So... I'm very bullish on him. I think the other thing, Mike, is the cost, right? If Cam Akers was going in the cost where, you know, pre-Achilles surgery, I'm not touching him at at that price. But, Mike, I mean, I'm constantly getting him in the late fourth or fifth this year. I'm overexposed. If it it blows up, this will be one that stings. But I think at the cost for me and how young he is and how much talent he has, like I'm so much – I'm so willing to bet on it where I'm getting him right now. I mean, you got to feel a little bit lucky, right, though? Like, you pick Cam Akers, and, like, you say it, and then and then you say it like people are going to come attack you. 
I'm out here defending Antonio Gibson on a daily basis, and I'm under siege 24-7. So it's got to feel good, right, that you picked at least the running back that not everybody hates. Like, there's still some people out there who love Cam Akers. I'm running real short on the Antonio Gibson friends. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, Relative to the Cam Akers and Antonio Gibson thing, I'm feeling much more comfortable with Akers and having a lot more shares of him than I do Gibson. I still have Gibson, but yeah, uh, relative to the two, I'd much rather have Akers right now. I I think he's polarizing, Mike. I think that's the best way to describe it because there are some people, like you said, Gibson right now is no longer polarizing. He's panicked. Everybody's panicked on him, right? Like, yeah, polarizing assumes that a lot of people still like him. You're you're in the low minority. I like him at cost now, but... um, Cam Akers is polarizing because I think there are some people that are still in and understand. Yeah. And even the people that aren't in, I think there are some that are realistic enough and say, I don't want to take the risk of this because of the injury and because of the running back position, the volatility, the injuries, and the fact that he might split time. But even the people that I think are being real, they realize that there is the upside and the chance that he does accrue value if he shows well. For me, I do love uh, disagreements or back and forth and getting other opinions, but especially with Cam Akers, Adam, you and you and I have been disagreeing about Cam Akers probably since the draft. But I mean, mm-hmm. we're talking a handful of spots. Like, yeah. I'm I'm also higher on Cam Akers than what most people are, and I do love taking them. I'm just not as high on them as you, but right. I will say this through all of our talks that we have go back and forth, or if I find somebody who wants to disagree with me on my stance on Cam Akers, I enjoy listening to it, except for one damn thing, Adam. And the first time I hear the name Daryl Henderson come out of their mouth, I'm just like, I'm done listening. <laughs> stop stop with the Daryl Henderson shit. What the, <laughs> it's not a thing. <laughs> like, and you know what? You know what's crazy, though? Honestly, it's funny you say that because um, I'm with you. But for people that fade him, it is a thing. But... Let's keep it real, though, too, about the difference in Gibson and him. I, I don't actually think Brian Robinson's all that talented of a runner. Like, we've been no. talking about how he's he's okay, you know, but I, I don't think he's that special. Similar to Henderson, I think the only difference here, Mike, though, is that for whatever reason, b- between the fumbles and everything, like Ron Rivera, I, I'm interested to see how it goes. Ron Rivera is trying to get everybody to believe that Brian Robinson is that dude. So that's part of, I think, pro- the problem. is like Ron Rivera is acting like this or saying things and putting Gibson on kick return. Sean McVay has kind of said that, you know, Henderson's going to be around. He's going to get some touches. But, like, we, we've we known that he's going to get be around. Like, he's not threatening for 1A work. Nobody, nobody in their right mind can believe that. So, like, I think yeah. that's a big difference between the two. Man, I like him. You went out and you took a running back. I'm going to go with another my guy for this year, and it's at the running back position as well, and that's one Saquon Barkley. Yes. I, was I think gonna, the yes. hate and disrespect has gone way too far. You're getting him at the 401 right now in startups, and there's only one other running back who goes after Saquon Barkley that I, I can logically say this. In 2022, if you told me this running back was the RB1 overall, not just an RB1, the RB1 overall, there's only a handful of guys total that I think could fit that bill. Now, what you talked about, DeAndre Swift, I think has a chance. The offense as a whole, though, Jared Goff's going to have to take a massive step forward for that to happen. But generally, when I think about RB1 overall, we're going to talk about Jonathan Taylor. 
We're going to talk about Christian McCaffrey because we've seen both of those guys do it. Third yep. for me, man, Saquon Barkley. And I'll throw in Alvin Kamara. Has that ability to be the RB1 overall. But Saquon I feel so much better about, right? I, e- even in a shitty offense, even with Daniel Jones. I think with Dable coming over, it's going to open it up a little bit more. You and I both like Kadarius Tony. I think Daniel Jones is serviceable. Now he gets made fun of a lot for a lot of good reasons. But I think Dable can kind of hide some of the things. Um, and, and one of the ways he's going to be able to hide Daniel Jones is by giving Saquon Barkley the fucking football. Talent-wise, I don't think it's a damn question about Saquon being one of the most, if not the most, talented running backs in the entire league, even coming off his ACL from a couple years ago. So, Saquon, we got to see it a little bit last year, and then we had that that fluke injury, right? That stepping on a cowboy's foot. Yeah, man. <laughs> just, and just, but before that, man, we got to see the Saquon of old for a couple games, and it was a thing of beauty. And when I talk about RB1 overall, against Atlanta, 21 points, right? Against New Orleans, a good defense, 29.6 points, the RB2 on the week. So if you're going to push for the RB1 overall, you need to be in that 20-point range. And Saquon's the one who has the ability of it. And he was doing that last year with Daniel Jones. The difference is, though, he was doing it with a shittier play call. <laughs> he yeah. was doing it with a clapper. All right? So at least this year, he gets an offensive mind worth a shit. So Saquon Barkley, my guy, getting him at the 401 seems criminal. If I do have him on a rebuilder, Adam, everybody that asked me for advice, I said, if you can get like two first worthy right now, yeah, go ahead. Like I'm not going to argue. But if you can't get two first for him, wait until in season because I feel Saquon's going to go off one of those early weeks, and then people will be right back on the train again. But if you already got him, you've already bought low, good for you. <laughs> you don't have to worry about it. You're already there. You're just waiting. Yeah, I, I think, man, he he's somebody that I – I'm not overly exposed to, but I have several shares of him on my contenders that are ready to go. And, you know, Mike, part of that too is uh, he he unfortunately burned me in a couple squads last team. Uh, I'm sorry, last year. A couple teams last year. Mike, I think there's a lot to get into him, right? We know that he is the most talented running back that we've ever seen. Um, now, you're listening to Dynasty DeGeneres, you're screaming in the car, he hasn't done anything though, you know, blah, blah, blah. I, I, listen, I hear you. He's been disappointing with injuries and last year at times. Mike, though, when you look, right, we knew this guy's coming off an ACL injury that wasn't great. And they brought him along slow that first game. Weeks two, three, and four, Mike, before the fluke injury in week five versus Dallas. Like this guy, I think we had to remember a lot of times that ACL injury happens and you really want them the following year when they're all the way back right. They're not favoring it at all. But even still, Mike, before that fluke injury there, 84%, 86 and 89% of snaps. And we were starting to see a little bit of the juice, a couple touchdowns in those last two games, right? Yep. Then he came back after missing several games and then had the bye week. Uh, he had like 60% of snaps and then followed up by another 87 and over 70 percent of snaps before basically he kind of quit right on the on they sucked that offense was horrible 
it was kind of frustrating seeing him down in the fantasy playoffs just kind of seem like he quit, but I think his body wasn't right. The situation was all wrong. Like yeah. I, it sounds like he's found, you know, his footing back and he feels comfortable with his body. And I, the reason I bring these snap shares up, Mike, and I don't mean to talk too much about Saquon, but I think it's important to get, get to, you will not be able to remove from people's minds that Saquon Barkley is the most talented running back of all time when he's playing well, if that does come. And I think the thing to remember here is he's going to be fresh. He's going to be feeling right. He's still only 25. And, Mike, he is one of the few. And the reason I talk about snatchers, he's one of the few that when he's healthy is going to be out there for all the snaps, right? Why do we like Najee Harris? We like Najee Harris because we know he's going to play the whole damn time. And here's the difference between Barkley and Najee, Mike. Najee's a beast. He can break tackles. The dude is, I mean, he's insanely big. He is a freak. But he's not the freak that Saquon is. Where Saquon gets loose, anywhere, he's gone. He has the home run ability that, honestly, Mike, when you talk about RB1 overall upside, he's one of the few guys, like, even with Swift. Like, I love Swift. But when you get him outside, he's not he's not gone for sure, right? Like, someone can get an angle on him and cut him off. Barkley's to the house. You, I know it's been a while, but you remember those hands going up. Deuces, right? He's gone. JT's gone. There's not that many that can run between the tackles, play all downs, and then also take it to the house on any play. Yeah, not too many running backs are built, you know, 230 pounds and run a 4-3, right? Just a handful. Jonathan Taylor, Saquon Barkley, and Antonio Gibson. <laughs> Got to sneak that in. Got to sneak that in. Adam, who's your next my guy? Yeah, uh, I know that was your guy. Uh, sorry I, if I stole your thunder by getting real excited. I, I had to do it. Um, I'm going to tell you what, man. It's time for me to go ahead and give you my wide receiver, my guy. There we go. Mike, uh, this one feels really good. Now, I'm going to admit to you, we haven't seen it yet. But this one feels good, man, because I was out here John Snow in this bitch. I mean, I was so out on on Rashad Bateman before it came, became cool, before the Hollywood trade. Bro, I was out here. People telling me him ahead of Smitty was insane. You're crazy. What are you doing? My ranks. Me and you, I think, even were like, how can you justify this? You know? Mm-hmm. The trade happened, and I think that kind of freed his value to skyrocket. Mike, I had a lot of Rashad Bateman because you could buy him cheap last year with the injuries, right, and him not playing well and not playing a lot. It was better than people think, though, in his rookie season. And then in the startups in the in the spring, Mike, I was drafting Rashad Bateman. This is not an exaggeration, man. Round 9, round 10, like when, when the startups first started kicking off. You could get him that late because Hollywood was yeah. still there. There was all these other people we're excited about. Mike, he now has climbed to the 606, the wide receiver 20 in ADP. So I will say this too. I, I honestly still have a lot of him, but I did move off of him a few just out of like portfolio management of like I still have 30-something percent of him. But like let me just get off of some of this value just because – it's kind of free at this point, and I can still pivot into wide receivers, different different spots. But I think, Mike, the thing with him now, if you remember last year, he had that injury in, in training camp and then had to come in late in the year. That offense was kind of already moving along. He never really got a huge snap share. Hollywood and, and Mark Andrews both were 
top 10 target guys, right? And, and Lamar was kind of funneling it to them, and then he got hurt. I think now with him having a full offseason with Lamar being the alpha in that offense as far as the wide receiver group goes, obviously Mark Andrews is still a beast. I, I think this is going to be somebody that has a true chance of being top 15 in scoring this year at the position. I'm really, really excited for Rashad Bateman, man. I have a ton of Rashad Bateman. I do love me some Shadi B, and I do remember arguing with you about Smitty and Bateman. You were right. You won that one. And the crazy thing, like you mentioned, man, um, I thought about putting it on here, one of my guys, but I don't want to take up too much time on it. But when you're talking about getting him in round 9 or 10, you know, just a few months ago before the – actually right before the draft, before the Hollywood trade happened, there's another guy who's in that range currently who I really do like and I'm waiting for the breakout, that's Brandon Ayuk. And there's a lot of similarities between Mm -hmm. the two where, I mean, you talk about it, if Debo would have got traded, what would have happened to Brandon Ayuk's value? He's going in that that range, that's that late sixth range. Yep, for sure. But Rashad Bateman, he gets to enjoy the fact that, that Hollywood's gone and it's a very condensed target offense where it's Andrews and him Mm -hmm. and... That's about it. No matter how much people want to talk up Isaiah likely. Uh, not likely. James Prochet. <laughs> Get out of here, man. Devin there, Duvernay. There's literally, like, yeah, I mean, listen, there's maybe some little mind. Like, you might be somewhat intrigued taking them real late in best ball, but there's no yeah. real threats to Bateman and Andrews as far as target volume, period. And with Rashad Bateman, I always think about what the podfather says, Matt Kelly, right? Keenan Allen, explosive Keenan Allen. So we're going to see it. He's going to have all the opportunity. I'm excited for Rashad Bateman. I think, uh, man, even though he's climbed so much in value, wide receiver 20, 605, 606 range, I think I probably still end up with a lot of Rashad Bateman because that's generally where I'm taking my wide receivers anyway. So I like that. I like that. All right, next guy I got, I got to go to wide receiver as well. We're on the wide receiver train, and that's going to be Cortland Sutton. Hmm. Wide receiver 26 going at the 703. Again, Adam, it feels like before the rush trade, a guy we were talking about, we were getting in the ninth and tenth round. And I had so much Cortland Sutton just because people seem so out on him, like so down on him. Cortland Sutton's always been a guy that I've liked, I've rooted for. This year, he finally gets a quarterback, Adam. No more Drew Locke balls. No more what they had, like Brandon Allen for some games. <laughs> They had a Brock Osweiler sighting back in there. He's had a dumpster fire of quarterbacks throughout the entirety of his career, and I'm excited that he finally gets somebody really good in Russ. I can't wait. I can't wait for him to be not DK Metcalf, but like 80% DK Metcalf. Does that seem fair? Like I don't think DK is a different breed, but Cortland Sutton's pretty damn athletic he's definitely one of those really good contested catch guys those big body wide receivers and makes some spectacular plays but i think he really can as far as fantasy is concerned have like a dk metcalf like season to the extent of like 80 85 of what like dk metcalf has done in the past with russ i'm, I'm with you on that point I, I think the the difference right and why it's 80 or 85 i think it's a similar conversation like when you're talking that Barkley and, you know, Jonathan Taylor thing for running back. And that's 
DK Metcalf, I mean, when Gilmore was still supposed to be that dude, absolutely would burn him gone. Right, Man-to-man coverage, mano-a-mano, over the top. You can't stay with me. I'm too fast, and he's too big. Cortland Sutton, I don't think, has that long speed. I know he doesn't have that long speed. Not that many people do. But like to me, Mike, I think that's the difference in why maybe it wouldn't be quite as much as a DK because mm-hmm. he's more of, like you said, a contested catch guy. I, for, for me, he's not quite as big, but he reminds me of so much, man, in the way he'll go up and high point a ball and the way he kind of gets to it, like the good, young Alshon Jeffrey, um, the way yeah. he kind of catch yeah. passes like that. And I think – with Russell Wilson, what's exciting about that, though, and the fact that you talk about him as more of the alpha, Russell Wilson throws a ton of touchdowns, and he's so damn accurate. Like, th- this is another point for him, Cortland Sutton. Russell Wilson, man, has been – I think people kind of forget because last year he, he had the hurt finger and he missed some time, and then when he came back, he rushed back. Shouldn't have been playing out there. This dude, when he's healthy, man, is <laughs> established – team established it, right? Seattle wants to run the football, and he would just throw touchdowns. He's so damn good. He's so accurate. If they air it out with him, like if you actually air it out with him, Cortland Sutton could be looking at a monster touchdown season. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of excited, not only from the, the touchdown aspect, because like you mentioned, Russ throws a lot of touchdowns, and he ain't afraid to, in the red zone, find his big body receiver over and over and over again. But also just a, a volume standpoint, like we we haven't the most volume we've ever seen for Cortland Sutton in his career is 126 targets, right? We're talking about some scenarios where like Sutton might get 150 targets this year, 155 targets this year, and that's something to get excited about with the size, the ability of Russ to throw up contested balls, the ability of Cortland Sutton to bring down those contested balls. So not only the touchdowns, but you're also getting the target volume. Put them both combined together on a, what I think will be a really good offense in Denver with Alberto, Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler, Javante Williams, who you know should have made my guys list, but I don't want to have too many running backs on here. Otherwise, I'm going to sound like a freak and everybody's going to jump all over me. But I think the offense as a whole is going to be really good. Cortland Sutton. Definitely my guy for this year, still at a price where he's going after his teammate Jerry Judy, which I would never do in a billion years. Give me Cortland Sutton over Jerry Judy. There, I said it. I had to sneak that in or I was going to not feel good about myself, Adam. I couldn't sleep tonight if I didn't mention Jerry Judy belongs behind Cortland Sutton. Damn it. Yep, absolutely. Um, Listen, uh, we're going to keep going with this. We're... I feel like, I don't know, man. This is hard for me to do when we get here because the way I like to play, the way I like to dynasty, you know, our best ball strategy and how much we talk about best ball and how we are in so many best ball leagues, constantly looking for value in teardowns, right? And so, like, I'm really excited to draft in this range we're kind of at as we're going through our my guys and looking at startup ADP, man. There's a bunch of my guys I could bring up here. Um you already touched on Ayuk. I'm going to let you go back to Ayuk when you're ready to, or if you don't want to, that's fine. I'm going to go to a guy right here, man. Um, I think this one's interesting because he still is my guy, but it's like I felt like when I, I was very in on George Pickens as a prospect, and I thought that the value of him pre-draft, not knowing his landing spot, was really good because at that point, too, there was a lot of quarterbacks still being drafted, right? 
Then he gets drafted. In my opinion, like, I don't know why Pittsburgh became such a shitty spot all of a sudden. Like, just because there's other people there and we didn't know who the quarterback was. Like, George Pickens lost value and was like this guy who's just not going to play much or not get much work year one because he went to Pittsburgh. Like, I never left here, man. I'm going to be honest with you. I was, it felt like I was actually kind of out on a limb with George Pickens at the time because, Mike, you're talking in the rookie class, right? You're talking about, you know, Chris Olave getting traded up for and going really, really high. Sky Moore ends up going to a smash KC spot after Tyreek Hill's gone. Christian Watson goes to Green Bay, who we know Aaron Rodgers hasn't had a receiver drafted for him. And it's like, why is George Pickens in the second round now? You know, and I, I, I don't know. I ended up with a lot of George Pickens. Mike, he's on the first page for me in uh, my team portfolio. I got seven shares of him. And I think Ooh. six of them are in rookie drafts and one was in a startup. And um, listen, I, I'm pro- I, it's now to the point, Mike, where, you know, he's looked good in camp and he's looked good in preseason, right? You've seen a lot of yes. positive reviews on him. I still like George Pickens, but I feel like we might be getting a little ahead of ourselves here because as great as he's looked and as much as he's the wide receiver that's kind of caught a lot of buzz now, like I feel like, man, we still – like all that stuff that was holding him back still is a little true, right? Like he still does have target competition. We still don't know what the quarterback spot is. And I'm hearing everybody say, like, 23 first, fuck that. I want George Pickens. And, like, I give a little pause there because, to me, that's more calculated for me if I'm going to do that. One, because if I'm moving my 23 first, typically, Mike, that's going to be on a contending team, right? When I say I'm going to move my 23 first as a contender and I'm going to take that pick and the value of that pick and put it into my contending team, I typically would rather have something that's not George Pickens because if George Pickens starts slow, I want someone scoring points today and a lot of them, even though George Pickens long-term still fine, might be better than some of the 23 class. It depends where that 23 class is at, but Mike, I'm varying on George Pickens still. I just may end up selling some of these shares because I feel like we might be getting a little bit ahead of ourselves here. Um, so I kind of got to see what I want to do with these George Pickens on contenders, especially, I think I'm going to start shopping him. So, man, I feel so bad for you that you are so right. And you hit it so big where you're like, man, I got to start cashing out. You know what I mean? Like my bank account's too big. Pocket's too heavy. (laughs) (laughs) I like George Pickens a lot. And all the reasons that you were talking about, Adam, where I think he kind of just got lost in the shuffle. You know, he was out of sight, out of mind for the, you know, almost the entirety of the college season. Remember how excited we were in the springtime in 2021 about GP and then tears his ACL and, you know, everybody's kind of devastated, but season goes on without him, right? Out of sight, out of mind. We're all talking about all these other receivers and how great the class is. And, you know, we're talking about Olave and Wilson and Traylon, you know, being in a class of his own, you know, we went through this whole thing. And then JMO, man, JMO captivated our hearts captivated our hearts. I love Jamison Williams. And then he had a late season ACL, like the latest possible ACL you could get in college. The latest but, game he could possibly have it. Yes. But like those were all the storylines. So GP just kind of got pushed to the, the, the back burner. You know what I mean? 
Mm-hmm. Like we got to see him come in and make a few plays. But that's it. That's it. That's all we really had to go on. So we didn't really know. It's good to see him out here healthy, fully healthy, and reminding people why back in the spring of 2021, he was in that conversation for being the number one wide receiver of his class. And now we know. Now we know. Yeah. But I'm with you, Adam, too. If you have that many shares and people are starting to get out over their skis, yeah, you got to shop some of them around and see what kind of deals you can get and what kind you can just sell on hype. And, and you know, if if you're wrong and GP goes on to be what we, you know, a top 10, top 15 dynasty wide receiver in the future, all right, maybe you took 60 cents on the dollar, but you still made a profit from where you started. <laughs> right. You're fine. Sure. You're fine. Yep. But yeah, uh, with you, you got a billion shares, so it ain't going to hurt you to sell off a few of them. Like yeah. You'll still be happy with the ones you did keep. Yeah, and I think, honestly, it'll be kind of calculated um, for me, Mike, where I know two of those teams are contenders. Um, so those teams especially, I'm going to be looking to sell more. So then, now, I, I mean, I'll still sell I'll sell anybody, but on the rebuild, Mike, I'm pretty pretty happy with George Pickens. And I'll still get out, like I said, for a profit if I can. But, um, yeah, he, he's one of my guys uh, for sure. I think the other thing, real quick, because you touched on this, um, something to talk about, but also I think it's a good thing for George Pickens is like, all right, we talked it when our my guys real quickly about Saquon Barkley and about Cortland Sutton, right? And both of them last year were coming off of ACL injuries, and I think we're kind of getting right with their body. I'll say this, George Pickens is technically coming off one, but the nice thing for him is Barkley and Sutton did it in season. So it's really more of like a one-year turnaround where Pickens tore it in March of 2021. So he's more like a year and a half plus removed. Yeah. Um, so I think that's probably a little more in George Pickens' favor. However, he has not played a lot of football yet still on that ACL. So that's something still to monitor, I think, a little bit too. Maybe a little bit. It, it's slightly different though. Like if you think about a guy who in 20, let's just say 2021, right? tears their ACL in a football season. So if we talk like October, just throw a random date on it. Yeah, for sure. Next October, when they start playing football, yes, technically it's a year out. They tore it last year, blah, blah, blah. But it, it hasn't even reached a full calendar year yet. Correct. With GP, right, tearing it over in one, March, yeah. he's well over a calendar year Correct. now before you're going to see him in NFL action. So always something that I keep in mind when, you know, not all ACLs are, are the same, but also the timelines do make a world of difference. A hundred percent. I don't, I don't normally fuck with players who tear their ACLs in January. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. the, the season when they start up in September and October, J-Mo. it's almost a loss. Yeah. JMO, JMO, right. Godwin, Gallup, right. well, these and, kind of players. And that, and that's why I say, I think it's something to monitor. However, like I think it's in George Pickens' favor that he did have that extra six months, really, you know, because he tore it in the spring, and now this we're talking by the time he's with Pittsburgh, it's you know over a full year before he's even in camp. So I think there's, it's better for Pickens. It's still something I think to monitor, though. All right, I'm gonna finish it off with my guy, and then we'll get you your last one to finish it off. But I saved the best for last on the show, my guy, for this year. One I'm planting my flag on, you know, if you know me, it's one Gabe Davis. Uh, uh, uh.
It's like never Gabe Davis. <laughs> it's Kenny I Pickett. I, I wish I had Podfather Sounders right now. <laughs> yeah. It's Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and, and we're starting to see it. We're starting to see it. Remember when we were worried about Mason Rudolph being the starting quarterback this year? That was fun. Mike, remember when we were thinking that uh, Mr. Trubisky was the, the best quarterback in that class of uber-talented quarterbacks again? Like he's going to be a thing? Yikes. But Kenny Pickett, we're starting to see it now, putting putting things together, right? Putting things together, making plays, looking good on an NFL field, looking good in practice. It's almost like we shouldn't pay attention to the first week of training camp when all these reports are and overreact like crazy. Right? Kenny Pickett was dead. <laughs> Looks horrible, throwing ducks, all this. It's first week of training camp, people. Calm down. Calm down. Let's see how he does. I, I, this is where preseason games actually do come into play, Adam, where you get to see with your eyes how they play, and, and you get to match them up versus somewhat NFL talent. Like You get to see them on an NFL field, at least, with guys who are fighting for roster spots, like playing really hard to get a job. <laughs> Their job is on the line, literally. So to come out and play well like Kenny Pickett has and kind of get that push that we've seen from other rookie quarterbacks in the past, right? Where, you know, nobody expected uh, Dak Prescott to play so well. Nobody expected Russ to play so well and like to win the jobs out of the gate. Um, If you come in as like the number one overall selection or the number two overall selection, people kind of expect you to start from the jump. But with a guy like Kenny Pickett going in the 20s, People are a little bit down on him. I'm just happy to revel in the fact that he's not a total bust officially, <laughs> even though we hadn't seen him play an NFL game when people were writing him off already. So Kenny Pickett, I'm rooting hard for this guy this year. He's one of my guys for this year. I want to see him. I want to see him take over that offense, take command, and do what we know through history happens with rookie quarterbacks. They're going to go up in value, Adam. He's going to go up in value, and you're getting him in the ninth round right now. Pick 903. Yeah. I mean, Mike, um, like, I don't know. You know, I don't have a crystal ball. Let's be clear. Like, we don't know what the fuck's going to happen. That being said, Mike, like, I, I do know certain things just about the market. And... Like I can almost, with certainty, I can I can guarantee you there will be a bump of some kind. How much? Hard to really pinpoint. But there's gonna be a bump when he's announced the starter. If Huge. Sit, in yep. Dynasty degenerates. If you're sitting here, listening, like he's not even gonna start. You're being, you're being foolish. And, and because you know the amount of first round quarterbacks that have not started at some point in the season. And, and guess what those guys were, Mike. They were behind a quarterback that was really good for their team, and that team was winning a lot of football games. So unless you believe that Mitch Trubisky is going to be career-resurrected by Mike Tomlin and going to completely push Kenny Pickett to the wayside, like you can forgo that narrative. So there's a value bump coming, period. Even if you don't like him, even if you won't buy into Kenny Pickett, that's all fine, but there is a value bump coming, period, 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 period. It's coming. And you can bet on it because in the ninth round, Mike, 
honestly, it, it's funny. I don't think I don't I can't guarantee with certainty that he will have a season like Mac Jones will, or that he'll start Week One like Mac Jones did. But it reminds me a lot of how Mac Jones. Different scenario because there was five quarterbacks in the class, right? But he was more of the forgotten one, going a lot of times in that late first, second round range, and and you know this ninth round of startups. And we, as soon as it was like, oh, Cam Newton's cut, there was a value search with Mac Jones. Then he played well. I don't know how Kenny Pickett's going to play. I, I believe with all the offensive weapons and with Mike Tomlin, he's not going to be a world beater, but he's going to be good enough in, in like super flex best ball. Like I'm cool with having quarterback twos like Kenny Pickett, especially if I'm getting him in the ninth, eighth round of startups, Mike. So Kenny Pickett's a, a my guy as well. I love it, man. All right, take us home for your last one. Your last my guy for 2022. Yeah. We're etching in stone. Yeah. Um, man, this one's tough because there's a couple I could pick here. I, I'm going to pick one, Mike, that is I, – I don't know because here, here's the thing with this guy, right? I don't know how your quarterback is, man. Like, I don't know. I'm concerned <laughs> about this gentleman, Carson Wentz. My and Terry's here. Terry's here. You know, he got the bag. But, man, I I'm, I, I just feel like Jahan Dotson, I, and he's certainly a my guy. I have way too many shares to not him to not say that he's one of my guys. So that's ultimately why I'm going to stick with him here. Like, I drafted quite a bit of him at value in pre-draft. Then I drafted him post-draft because he was going late. And then I drafted him in startups because he's going late and he's in the 10th round. Jahan Dotson. Like if you if you're if you want to pass and you don't care, that's fine. Um Mike, I I'm willing to burn 10th round startup picks, second round value picks on Jahan Dotson. I mean, all day. The way I dynasty too, like you and I do, with running backs early. I get a Jahan Dotson in the tenth round. If he flames out, he flames out, man. But like I, st- I believe in the talent. I-, I, I think he's a guy that has a lot of traits that are like quick twitch. You know, he can get open, get the ball. He kind of reminds me a little bit of Deontay Johnson. I'm getting him in the tenth round. Um, like he's one of my highest owned guys. I have nine shares, which is almost half my portfolio. So, um, yeah, I'm basically just. Like, I'm basically with him. I believe in the talent. I don't care that the landing spot is supposedly bad. And I think there's going to be points where I can move off of him for far more than a 10th round startup pick later in the year. And rebuild or contender, I'm willing to bank on it. I don't know what the deal was, why there was so much Jahan Dotson hate. Because, like you said, I think we both believe in the talent. Like, I like his game, I like watching him. I always thought, and I, I think I've said for a while, like, Something about him reminds me of Deontay Johnson, just the way he moves, the way he operates. But it's like Deontay Johnson, but a little bit faster, a little bit more explosive. And that's something I'm intrigued by with Jahan Dotson. So I don't know if it was people didn't think he deserved to go, you know, in the top 20 picks, if if that was a thing. Like I was seeing a lot of mock drafts where he was going in the 20s, and I didn't see a lot of hate for it. Then he goes in the teens, and I don't know what the deal was. Like, there was a lot of vitriol towards it. Was it 
some of the landing spot too. Like people don't like the commanders. Yes. I've also heard like the narrative too, like, well, Carson Wentz can't support two wide receivers. And I always shoot that down, but like you tell me who Carson Wentz's second receiver was for every year of his career, who the best one was out of his entire career. Do you even know offhand? Like who, if, if number two receivers. So he had Alshon Jeffrey there in 2017. Who's the number two? I'm not actually sure off the top of my head. I'm trying to think. All right. Sucks. Sucks? Okay. Is that why I, I can't think of it? <laughs> I, I shouldn't say sucks. I shouldn't be that harsh. But it's Tory Smith. Okay. And not like prime Tory Smith. Not okay. Baltimore yeah. Ravens catching four touchdown passes in a night Tory Smith. Yeah, all right. Well, now I don't feel as bad for not knowing that off the top of my head. Yeah, yeah. So... I don't know. I think it's just like an easy narrative. Well, you can't support two wide receivers. Well, he's never really had to. All right. <laughs> Pump the brakes here. Mm-hmm. So now he's got Terry McLaurin. We know who's going to be the number one, the alpha. We love Terry too, but why not Jahan Dotson? And, and what you had mentioned, Adam, at his cost, why not? Why not? Why not? Man, man you know you know what's funny too? Um, <laughs> the, uh, the day he got drafted, right? We, we, did, the, uh, we did the draft show. We were on Ray's. That first of all, shout out to Ray the Goat for having us on the the uh, the long draft live stream we did for two days on Ray's channel and then the final day on ours. Uh, we went twenty hours. But when he got drafted, like it was funny for me, like the way I was thinking about it. I guess like like you said, it was weird for us because I'm pulling for this kid, right? And, and this is amidst. A tragic first round for us. If we're going to talk about our previous flag planning <laughs> yeah. and stuff, we were saying yeah. how you know you don't know what the quarterback class is and blah blah blah. And here we are, and no quarterbacks are going. Like they passed Carolina, they passed Seattle, and Mike and I are just like, um, the free fall is coming. And amidst that, like I'm looking for something, and John Dotson goes high to Washington, and like why? Why is that? not something that people care about because you Mike I hear about draft capital arguments for people in the dynasty community fucking like crazy I mean literally I I don't care who it is whether it's a good thing or a bad thing people talk about draft capital all the time so the guy checks the draft capital box and then like (laughs) it was funny because on the show like I was like uh like, can we talk about Dotson? Because it was your guy, your team. They traded for A.J. Brown. So it's like, all right, John Dotson's already getting drowned out by all the other hype going on. The Hollywood trade happened. Can we just talk about him real quick? No, man, nobody wants to talk about him because it's he's an afterthought, man. And, like, people – it's not exciting. It's Carson Wentz. It's the commanders. Like, I get it why people are down. For me, though, like, the way I dynasty, that screams value to me. And may, maybe I'll end up missing on him. But Mike at wide receiver fifty cost, like what the fuck do I care? I, I think it's it's you know we see teams make mistakes in drafts all the time, so I'm not saying it can't happen. But sure, sure, sure. It, it is a little bit telling though, like when Washington has their choice of Traylon Burks or Jahan Dotson, and they're like, nah, nah, like we're good. We want Dotson. Yep. So I'm not saying it was the right or the wrong. Because I'm a fucking Eagles fan. We do it every year with wide receivers, apparently, other than Devontae Smith. At least we got that one right, right? Finally, 
Third yeah. time's a charm. Let's go. It's better but, than Rager. <laughs> better than Rager. Better than JJR Sega Whiteside. <laughs> oh, over your boy DK. Right. Crazy. O- over to McLaurin as well. Let's not forget. They had two opportunities. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know. Uh, top 20 pick, you know, going 18 to Washington. Um, I, I like the profile. It's not great. It's not, you know, five-star can't miss. But I think there's some things there that I like and I'm excited about. So at the cost, like I'm just, I'm willing to be a little overexposed on certain things. And like, I don't plan on having all those shares the whole time. I think there's going to be times to move them, but you know, if the worst thing I do is have a bunch of Dehan dots and I don't think like I'm, when you talk about who's going after him in startups or in rookie drafts, Mike, well in rookie drafts, especially like I'm good. Like there's not much there that I'm really feeling like I'm going to miss out on that. I'm worried Mm -hmm. about missing out on. And even in startups, um, like what are we talking about? You know, Alan Lazard, uh, yeah. you know, Mike Gusecki, Danny Dimes. Like I'm just, I, I'm, I'm willing to miss on this bet. I like it, man. Well, those are our guys. We'll see how we do. <laughs> we'll check back uh, probably like week nine. We'll hopefully, probably already have most of our hearts broken. <laughs> yeah, hopefully as I'm all excited about Jahan Dotson, I'm not licking my wounds like uh, LaVisca Chenault last year. So <laughs> we'll see, right? I don't know. Maybe we do that selective memory thing. Like, I don't remember what you're talking about. I was never in on that guy. Who? Whom? Who? Who do you speak of? <laughs> no, Adam. I like doing this. I like putting it out there on paper, and I like being transparent. Um, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Yeah. It doesn't, doesn't hurt me at all. Like, I've been wrong before. I'll be wrong again. <laughs> it happens. But you best believe if I'm right, you're going to know about it. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I tell think- you. I think the reality too is, man, like no one hit, no one bats a hundred percent. If somebody batted a hundred percent, like you can guarantee they are getting the primo following the primo. Everybody's going to pay everything for them. Cause if you don't miss, I mean, imagine it doesn't happen like, well, for us. It's a, pro- a process too, right? Like there's people that I'm going to miss on and learn and try to grow the process and get better. But like, I'm betting on profiles that I, I feel good about based on values and all that. So, it's 4D. Yeah. If you never miss, I don't think you do content though, right? You want all that money for yourself. True. True that. <laughs> like I don't want these people in here competing against me. <laughs> I don't need content. I'll just go to the to the uh the, the sports book. I'll go to the, the dynasty and just clean house. Yeah, I'm I'm doing all the big money leagues, all the big tournaments, cleaning up on underdog, like doing the whole works. <laughs> I don't need to give this advice out, I'm making too much money. Yeah. Well, that's going to do it for us. Adam, take it away, buddy. Take us out of here. That, there it is, man. Uh, j- just remember, now, when you come here, we are going to talk about our teams, our strategies, all that. And this is transparency. We're talking about our guys. If you want more from us as far as you know, team evaluation, talking with us in the Discord, personal, with Mike, you want to really get deep into Mike's head or you know, into some Ooh. of the feet picks and stuff like that. Um, patreon.com forward slash South Harmon. Um, don't forget to tap in with the destination Debbie guys, Ray and the crew, um, all the great stuff they have there with, uh, patreon.com forward slash all gas. That's going to do it for us this week. And just remember when your league mates are playing chess, 
play 40 chess. That's going to do it for us. We're out of here. Peace. Peace.